He's been shot six times. Halloweenies. He's been burned alive. Halloweenies. He's lost his head. Halloweenies. Michael Myers can't and won't be stopped, which is why he returns this October. In anticipation, the Consequence Podcast Network presents Halloweenies, a limited series that carves out one Halloween movie a month, leading all the way up to the October 19th release of David Gordon Green and Danny McBride's new movie. You'll get tricks. You'll get treats. You'll get Michael. Tune in for the night we came home. Consequence Podcast Network. Bite-sized album reviews for the music fan on the go who wants to stay in the know. This is Consequence of Sound. Welcome to Track by Track, a recurring feature here on Consequence of Sound, where we explore an album one song at a time with the artist. Discussing the song's origins, tales from the studio, every story that brought this music to life. I'm Michael Rothman, Editor-in-Chief of Consequence of Sound, and this episode I'm speaking with Jason Pierce of Spiritualized about his highly anticipated new record, And Nothing Heard. Here on Consequence of Sound, the podcast, we put out album review podcasts three times a week, where our best writers give a critical eye to the latest releases. And this feed is also host to special editorial programming like this, where we go even deeper. If you love Track by Track, our album reviews, or any features here on COS, please consider rating and reviewing our show on Apple Podcasts or rating and reviewing specific episodes on Podchaser. Your feedback helps us grow and lets us know what you love about them, how you think they can improve, or how you listen to them. Reach out to us by leaving a review or hitting us up on the Consequence Podcast Network Facebook page. We're an independent music outlet, and it's you find folks that make it possible for us to keep exploring music in new and exciting ways. So connecting with you about how you experience our content is majorly important to us. Thanks so much for tuning in, and now let's uncover all the stories behind And Nothing Hurt with Jason Pierce of Spiritualized. I thought we'd start off with just some just some broader questions just from the beginning. And, you know, it's been six years since Sweetheart, Sweet Light. And I know that the only reason that you write a record is because you feel it should be there. And I thought what might be a good introduction is just why now? You know, why why this record? Why? Where, where was What was the impetus for you for this one? Part, part because I had a set of songs, I guess, that felt like they would make an album, you know, like they were all kind of they like cowboy songs, you know, they all felt like, yeah, this is a set, you know, like I'd, like I'd got the set. And and I, and also I kind of got, like I've, I've said this in a few interviews, but I kind of got fascinated by the idea of making an album that reflected exactly, like reflected who I was now, you know. I just mm-hmm. saw a, a lot of people seem to just throw records out as a means to get on the road or to reconnect or, you know, like they they were like, they were in response to, we need a record rather than I have a record, you know, like, um, and the easiest way to do that just seemed to be to piece together the, the bits that were expected of you, you know, the same language, the same kind of ideas as you were doing 20 years ago, like, here it is, you know, here it is again. You know, that's not to say that everybody does that, but I just thought I wanted to make a record that was about who I was now, you know, with all the kind of uh, optimism and, and optimism is a weird, weird word to use. Um, but, yeah, with someone to who, who I am now, you know, not just to kind of re, re, run over old ground. Yeah, yeah, because it seems like, I mean, so many acts today seem to just be kind of either chasing the past or 
they kind of run away from the actual truths of what the present is sometimes I feel, you know, it's especially if there's such a, there's such a value for nostalgia now. Um, and I feel like that's put a trap on a lot of acts that, you know, that, that professionals that have been around for, for a while that, that they feel like they have to kind of just revisit quote unquote glory days, but the glory days are only, considered glory days because of someone's nostalgia you know and i feel like people settle into that a little bit yeah too faster. That time's past. Time's yeah. Past, I guess. but also yeah and i feel i was just saying recently just now it's like sort of rough that it seems like that should ramp the pressure up you know the more you know about what you you know i feel like now more music is available and easily available out there that should make the pressure greater to make something original you know that it's there's so much convergence in music. People hit the same ideas and so much theft in music. But if you know where that's coming from and people can hear where that's coming from, it should suggest that people will say, well, oh, oh we sit on, this has been done before, let's take it somewhere else. But quite often people are content to, it's almost like people are quite content to say, here, you've heard this before and here it is again, but it's not as good. You know, and that seems like an odd way to do anything. Oh, I agree. You know, with the title, with it being a reference to Vonnegut, is that an author that you know, author that's been with you your whole life? Was it someone? Did you just? Did you? Yeah, more so to, to do. It was a, a long, long. I mean, that 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 title in its entirety was a kind of a, a kind of influence on ladies and gentlemen, this loaded in space, mm-hmm. like a gamble in the same way. Um, and also, I got interested in rereading some of the books I'd read when I was nineteen, twenty. You know, like the books I hadn't read for. I've always thought it odd that music you can repeat, listen, you know, you can play the same track mm-hmm. every morning for, for five months and there's nothing odd about that. You, but you wouldn't, you, it would be very hard to do that with a movie or with a book, you know. But music has this kind of, it's, it's made to be repeated and it, and it kind of, and it, it does get repeated. And I thought recently, maybe six years ago, I started to really plant books and, Part because I found myself in Bunker Hill and I and I just recognised the name and the kind of idea of the connection with Sante and so I started re reading. I'm not doing it with every book I've ever read, but it was interesting how how the words had changed. You know, I don't mean literally changed, but how the way I related to the words changed over time. You know, and I found things in the language of it that I really never would have done then. But really, the, yeah, the, the Kavanagh thing is, yeah, I do love for those books. I've read every book I've ever written, and lots of the kind of letters and correspondence he's read, but it was more a kind of nostalgia as well, because I wanted the record to be, to, to reflect that kind of nostalgia and that kind of piecing together bits from my past and from, and, you know, it, it dealt with that as well, so it didn't seem. And also, I like the way, I like the way not the complete quote, you know. And yeah. I, I, there's another track. There's a track called "Damaged" on the record that starts with the word "and," and I and I like the way it presupposes another lifetime, you know, another experience, you know, like it didn't start here; it started somewhere else. I agree. So it kind of makes sense with that. Yeah. No. It's 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 a. There's something really. I guess not stoic's not the right word for it, but just really impacting about just seeing the three words right there. They just, it just kind of, it just really sticks with you and haunt. it's haunting in a way, but it's also, 
uh, yeah, there's, I would say haunting, <laughs> um, but also relieving as well uh, because of what the actual literal interpretation of what you can take from it. Going into the album, you know, track one, A Perfect Miracle, you know, the press materials had described this one as a lullaby and, and it was the first track that was released as a preview. And it made me wonder, like, this this seems to be like the one that you wanted to make a statement with, like beyond like, like or was this maybe it was just something that you just wanted to have at the top at the beginning. But what was it about this track that a made you want to put it at the top of the album and then also be like your first preview like this is like the first thing that you're gonna you know use to make a you know to be emblematic about this album why was it first i don't know i mean it was ne- it wasn't when you put when i put together the album there wasn't a running order you know although sail on through always felt like it should end you know somebody here pointed out that this album sounds like a good two thirds of it or more are all end out end tracks on somebody else's album. You know, like it's a it's an album of of last tracks, and I kind of like the idea of that. There was some kind of connection with Ladies and Gentlemen. I didn't it, it completely passed me by that it had any kind of similarity to that to the title track from that album, but it does. You know, if you play it a tone and a half higher, it sounds the same. You know, in some respects, so. But that kind of passed me by while I was doing it. But it just, I don't know, I just, I, I knew as soon as I started putting it together that it had something about, something about everything that I tried to put on this record. You know, I wanted it to be like a Lee Hazel thing, but in a weird way, that's more like an Anthony and Lee track. You know, it's got this kind of dialogue, although, although it's always an internal dialogue, it was never meant between two people. It was, it was a kind of, self-doubt and lack of confidence that's internal rather than somebody putting you down or somebody putting somebody else down. And I always thought I wanted to write a record that had kind of FM radio or kind of my idea of FM radio, like you'd just turn the dial and find a series of songs that all kind of made sense at that moment. And and that moment in my mind is always the a road trip, you know. Like yeah. I've said recently that I always picture it as a cassette going into the dashboard of a car, but I have always had this sort of like you turn the dial and you find invariably in America, you know, those weird stations where you get a run of songs that just make sense to the drive, you know. Mm-hmm. The music's kind of travel in its own sense, and then you put that with a, a dark road in the desert somewhere, and it all seems to make sense, you know. And and I always thought it, that that song was like raindrops keep falling on my head. It was meant to sound like that, like almost like not throwaway. It's the wrong word, but but kind of kind of light in its intent. You know that it'd be it's easy to to hear. You know, easy to listen to. In a strange way, I think the album's easy listening, but it gets it's kind of those two words have been tied in to mean something else, you know, but it was meant to sound like a J.J. Kale album in a kind of sense. It, it, it had some of that kind of, that kind of pace to it. The last, the, the heaviest, I guess you could be in track by track, we'll get to it, but the morning after and on the sunshine came to it late, you know, I felt like 
to have a spiritualized album that was like all all in the same gear didn't seem right, you know. So it felt like this band has to change gear. So those songs kind of came to the album late, but initially it was all kind of it all kind of ran at that kind of tempo. Was the the line "knock me off my cloud"? Were you referencing? Uh, was that kind of like a cheeky reference to like the Stones at all, or was it just? Uh, you just the, was that just me? Yeah, kind of. But they're, they're in every one of my songs forever, you know. Yeah, they're they're all they're all. I mean, I'm not not doing it naively. They're meant to be there, you know. They're not. They're meant to be. I love I love rock and roll. I love the kind of language of it. I love the kind of I love the simplicity of it. But mm-hmm. that doesn't make it simple, you know. Yeah, but I love the kind of. I think as soon as rock and roll gets kind of wordy or over talented or like look what I can do, it just ruins it. You know, it loses everything about its beauty and its primitive nature and 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 yeah, all of that. And even the you know even the song titles themselves, those lazy as hell. You know, it's not like I don't know that they they that some of them use those words before, but I kind of like that. About, you know, it's not it's not they're not direct references to to. You know, I'm your man, isn't a direct link to Leonard Cohen, but it's not like I don't know it exists. Yeah, no, that's but even, true. You know, even electricity and come together, you know, it's not like I'd be a fool to think I'd run across something new there. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting, too, because it's kind of like it, it kind of goes into the, like the vernacular of a dream, you know, like everything kind of like the idea of day residue, the idea of of uh, kind of collecting uh, patterns of uh, memories and feelings and emotions and I kind of like the idea that it would be like this whole pastiche of 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 maybe not not only just references but maybe inferences that kind of go in this kind of dream logic that you kind of have with this one song too because yeah and also and also the way that all music is linked you know yeah there's an awful lot of convergence there's an awful lot of theft there's an awful lot of kind of you know, people hitting on the same ideas and whatever, and I, and I love that. And I always feel like when I make a record, I can pull the threads and make the distances less. You know, like I've said said in nearly every interview, I've said that if you were dropped into the music of Peter Brotsman or Han Bennett from nowhere, you wouldn't have a clue how you were meant to feel, how you were meant to, what that music was meant to do. And but if you go there via the Stooges, MC5, Sun Ra. John Coltrane, you kind of understand, you get some kind of understanding of how it links to other music, you mm-hmm. know. And I always get this feeling that if you make, when I make a record, I can pull the threads and make those distances, you know, the distance between Chris Christopherson and Samra isn't such a great leap of faith, you know, and it's like you can you can pull pull the threads and then those distances get shorter or something, you know. It's kind of fanciful, but I kind of had this idea that I was I was kind of fascinated when we started playing Ladies and Gentlemen Flight in Space Live, how much of it was a kind of freeform swirl, you know, like a squall of of madness, you know. And and yet you've got the kind of steps, you've got the kind of I don't know what they are, the kind of motifs, the kind of ideas that allow you into into being able to navigate that music, you know. If we played two thirds of that music live, I don't think the audience would stay, but but the other third allows you the kind of, you know, the little waltz at the beginning and the kind of deep soul in the middle. It kind of allows you the kind of mechanics to understand where that's coming from. Yeah. No, I absolutely see that for sure. I'm your man. Hold on to 
if um, I'm your man, so much of your work is is written in the first person, and you had just mentioned that there is more. It's more of like an internal dialogue. And would you consider it? And I guess all works in some respects are autobiographical. But how much of this is um, the just the the power of what's the power of I here, and or is it just more of a convenience? A bit of both. Somebody here told, said this seems like the most the most close to who I am. Like like he's a friend, but he's also a journalist. And he said that this one seems to capture my personality and wit more than previous records. And that was really important that the words were were weren't they did they it became I I got I got stuck with this idea of writing a record about who I was now and I'm like I feel like I don't know like like as I get older I find it harder to make records but it was really important that it was made a record that was made by somebody my age that yeah. I wasn't trying to pass myself off as somebody younger which often happens in music I see, see people just kind of throw records out that, that like revisiting themselves 20 years previous you know um so yeah, it's, I mean, and, and also I think the truth is the most important thing, you know, and the, than the one thing they should be able to expect it, it should, should, is that it's the truth, you know. So, so but some of it's language, you know. I've said that in the past. You know, some of the some of the most autobiographical sort of like literal things is to do with language as well. There's a poetry to it, you know. It's like the kind of and, and that, that's inevitable. In the, the the video, it, it, you have the same spaceship from the Do It All Over, the Spain, same spacesuit, sorry, uh, from the Do It All Over mm-hmm. Again video. And uh, what was the intention behind that nod to the past? And, and was there, or was there intention? Because when, it was, there's, there's references in the record as well. It was a kind of idea of just like pinpointing things. At one, at one stage, we were talking about doing all the old photo shoots again, you know, like, like Edward Primmett different periods you know like the same setups you know um i like this place the kind of like defense you know it feels like he kind of like you're safe in there and and it also kind of wraps up with the kind of you know the the sort of mythology of rock and roll you know you make your record and then you throw on some fancy dress and you go and present it to the world you know quite literally that's what people do you know it's like not not specifically a spaceman but it's like it's like that's part of the game and and also that you know it kind of gave gave my i've been in a room for like two years making this record and i just wanted to get the hell out of there <laughs> and it gave us a gave us a kind of excuse to go you know go where we went and make it you know to, send somebody else's money taking a road trip and kind of said, hey, look, we're making a video here. The spacesuit kind of allowed us to say that. The spacesuit and the camera, you know. So, um, but yeah, it was to, to, it was it was to sort of, you know, to, to sort of tie up these, not really tie up these ends, but it was referencing the past. And I think that was a big deal on the record, you know. It was about nostalgia and kind of a sense of, this is where I am now, but it's not, I didn't arrive here out of nowhere. Well, it's, it's interesting too, because I, I love the idea that you can have these echoes while also kind of looking through to the future. And 
because the past is i mean i feel like the past is always going to inform the present and the present always inform the future yada 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 but as a musician that's got to be difficult to kind of thread the needle between kind of staying true to your your previous work but also innovating as well uh would you say like that's like the main struggle as a musician that you find yourself in like every album just like being like well how do i kind of build on or do you even just see it as building upon yeah and i'm not no, of course, and not not going, not treading water, and not going over old ground. You know, it's like it is really important, but also I'm not convinced when people change their musical style, mm-hmm. which is another kind of you know, especially if the if the change hits hits the currently hip style. You know, it just doesn't convince me. It just seems like that's the, the motivation there isn't about music. It's about money. It's about fame. It's about whatever else you're chasing. But I'm I'm never convinced and. And yeah, for sure, there's, you know, I, I I always fall into the same, you know, some bits I still use the same cheap, um, realistic and Casio keyboards, you know, I love the cheap sound of them, I like the fact that they're not trying to be much else above what they can just about achieve, and, and, but, and you know, there are certain bits in, in my music that seem, you know, the buzz of a far feast is irreplaceable. You don't, you can't get that in any other way than that instrument. But, but yeah, not just to sit on it and say, okay, I found this. Because mm-hmm. there are countless people, you know, countless people. And, and like I say, so many people have kind of think that, you know, the whole thing works as a kind of, like a kind of soup, you know, everybody can take the same bits and, you find something that works and somebody's taking it and that's not that's not a bad thing that's a good thing oh know? totally how music works you know so so but 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 if you stay still for too long but you 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 don't have much left you know it's like you know it's already gone it's already in everybody else's music so mm-hmm. but at the end of the day i mean it always seems to come down to the song you know if you've got a song then then that could stands up in any in any form mm-hmm. and and that was more i don't know as I, get, as I get older i find it hard to make these things you know i find it harder to cast the net as wide and put all the ideas i want to put into an album and it just feels it feels it's harder to do but with that i feel comes this big responsibility that it shouldn't be entered into lightly that you should spend time getting it how you want it to be you know yeah and, and not feel rushed, and not feel like oh, just you, this is a this is just a means to get on a stage or make some money or you know I just feel like it it, it comes with a greater responsibility or should come with a greater responsibility. No, I agree. I mean, I, it's almost like they're you, you're building a self portrait. I mean, it's like why would you want to <laughs> put it put out something that's not true to yourself, true to, you know, what you're actually trying to paint. And no, I, I think that's, I do feel that a lot of acts and a lot of musicians as they get older, they, there is that sort of, especially now with the industry being how it is, where the live scene is such a big deal of making money off of that. And, and you got to stay out there on the road. Yeah. Like and, that, you know. Know. yeah. That, I mean, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and I don't know the answer to that. I don't know who really does care. But, but from my perspective, I care. Yeah. You know, and that's enough. That's enough to stop me and to say, yeah, well, this is going to be right. You know, if it's going to take another, another half a year or another two years, then it's like, yeah, I care enough to, to um, 
to get to get it to to where it should be. I think that translates eventually to the. I think that that kind of presents itself on a long enough timeline as well that people see that and they go, oh wow, okay, this is this is a body of work that has been nuanced and articulated over time as opposed to, oh, we just dropped something so that we have an excuse to go out on the road. And like, I think that's just, I think that really eventually, I mean, I still think that applies to this day. I think that's going to still be something that's, I think longevity is so key that having quality over even just the quantity or even just something that's just punctual is going to be paramount in the long run. I still, I hope that that's still the case, but <laughs> if here comes the, the yeah, road. You can't, you can't, you can't engineer it. I don't mean that lightly, but you can't, you can't engineer for something to have a long life, you know? Yeah. You know, I, was, I was always fascinated by the, the film. I mentioned this a few times, and I don't know what the film is, but it's a, a bank in the 1930s playing to a seated audience. And they and they're all kind of jigging their knees and slapping their thighs. The audience, not the band, and they and and they're not allowed to stand because they, people didn't in the 1930s. And it mm -hmm. looks like it's from. It looks like it, it's so alien. It's got that kind of weird stagger that film has from that period. You know, like the frame rate's slightly wrong, and it just looks like another time. You know, and 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 obviously. Rock and roll music will, will appear like that, you know. Yeah. 30, 40 years from now, it's going to look like, what the hell was that, you know? <laughs> but but there's something also about music that travels outside. You know, I, I listen to an awful lot of doo wop, and I never once, well, very, very rarely think of it as 1950s. You know, mm -hmm. I don't picture that scenario. It sounds like Lou Reed's line, like it's the sound of angels, you know, and it always sounds like that to me rather than kind of snapshot of 1950s America, you know, and I think music has that kind of power to, to you know, I listen to, you know, if you listen to Foray, it didn't sound like some kind of strange part of France in the 19, whenever that was, 1920s or whatever, it feels like it, it feels like it transports something else, you know, it's, it's got something that takes it outside of the time when it was made. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, that's, I, I've kind of, I've, feel like that's probably the best way to approach music in all in all ways to be honest with you i because I, I i think pop culture definitely doesn't help because it gets tied so many music gets tied to images that become iconic you know like mr sandman i hear and i i just automatically always think of the 50s just because of maybe back to the future or um you know a, a couple other movies that had come out around that time that used the song and and then that becomes a kind of crisis in itself because it's not, it's out of your hands. It's part of the vernacular of what pop culture is doing at that point. Take the road right out of town. Check your gas and oil and sand. Watch the road, you'll be all right. You can drive right through the night. track three and here comes the here comes the road let's go you had mentioned in this interview about how you almost see like the daydreaming uh or the dreams itself almost like you know you're driving with like the dash the dashboard and the cassette and is this song captured that feeling for you yeah and kind of i mean when you said about which track to start and that always seemed like the logical one you know like the, that that's the start of the trip but it also because of that it seemed like the the least satisfying thing to do, you know, to lay it out too obviously, you know, like a kind of, um, but yeah, it was part of that 
you know, the, not most, the most literal of the whole, the whole idea of the record was wrapped up in that song. And again, like an FM radio, I mean, it starts with the sound of the radio. Yeah. So it's like, kind of, I, oddly enough, I heard that for the first time since I'd finished it. I did a radio interview yesterday, and they played that track ahead of me talking. And it was really strange to hear it, like, on the radio, like... I always thought that the radio would annoy the hell out of radio programmers. Like, the last thing you want, second only to silence, you know, on the radio, is the sound of the thing losing its frequency. And But it sounded so right. It sounded like that's what it was meant to sound like. Like a kind of, like I said at the top, like you're turning the dial on the car and, it, and you find this, find this song that makes sense of where you are and what you're doing. And um, so... You, so yeah, it's kind of and and very you know the the saxophone at the end is meant to sound like sort of Meet Deville, like sort of nineteen seventies kind of New York. It's not meant yeah. to sound like it's not meant to be free jazz. It's not meant to be kind of I, I want to say nostalgia, but it isn't meant to sound like a kind of nostalgia for a particular thing. But it's meant to have that kind of that that sense of yeah, of course that's what would be there, not mm-hmm. like. You know, in fact, there's there's very little kind of, which is also I finished the sentence, but but um, there's also a shock. Very, I wanted this album to test people more. You know, when I was putting it together, there was lots of bits that seemed like they were more of a, not not as easy to understand. But it just didn't. They didn't make sense to keep them in. It felt like they'd been. It felt like they were there as a kind of constant, like a kind of like purely only to test somebody if that makes sense or like changing the time signature of the song just to show how clever you are or and it just didn't make sense to do that you know it seemed like the more the more formal and kind of classic in their shape these songs were the better they work yeah and there's also like a almost like a, a straightforward country vibe uh to it and yeah a lot a lot of them i mean somebody says they're cowboy songs you know my yeah. guitarist in fact most of them started on a guitar you know it's a, it's, that's kind of unavoidable that they're not they're not written from melodies in my head and they're not written on an instrument that I don't play they're written with the chords that I know so there's a kind of they're always going to be that kind of they're always going to have that kind of form I like the idea that they're just cowboy songs <laughs> yeah did you have a, a particular road in mind when you're, uh, or a particular drive in mind? Oh, the trip's real. The trip's, the trip's real, but the um, the the house being mine is not. Interesting. Interesting. The hour is getting late. There, putting all our dreams away. Lord, have mercy on all of our thoughts today. I should get away, but I would rather stay and dance. Come on, darling, let's dance. On, on number four, let's dance. We kind of talked about this before, just a little bit, but how has your approach and your relationship with writing love songs, how has that changed as you've gotten older? Are there certain attributes to love that you've found, particularly on this record? I don't know that it changed. I like I like the fact that I like rock and roll that you can say "Be my baby." You can say these really mm-hmm. simple lines and they resonate. I've, I'm also a big believer that the, 
the music you listen to ends up being part of your personality, whether you want it to be or not. You know, mm. it affects the way you walk and talk and relate to people. When you fall in love, you've got all the melodies of every song that ever made sense in that context running around your head. Not literally, but, but you know, you've got this kind of, kind of ideas that you take from songs. I, 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 felt, I felt more more convinced of that when I started doing these interviews and, went, and realized that all the people, a lot of the people I was talking to in South America or Europe learned that they're English from music, you know, from these songs, you know, so mm. their whole, their whole kind of understanding of their second language is through, through the words in songs, you know. Yeah, I don't know that, I don't, didn't, don't really, I haven't really studied my idea about that. I just think really, you can put down these simple lines and they can really resonate in a big way in music that, that, that you know, often you wouldn't even say in real life. Mm-hmm. You couldn't say in real life. Well, the ending has this like, I mean, the, the final minute, there's just so many moving parts. And and I wondered, uh, you know, what is that shift in the dynamics? What is that to you? What is that meant to signify? Just, I mean, it was, it, that song is about as literal as you can get, you know, it's like <laughs> laying lay the kind of closing of a late night, you know, like a, like a, you know, um, Bukowski like bar to, to, to life, alongside life, you know, it's the same, you've got so little time. And, and, and I, and I wanted the end to sound like some kind of strange European dance, like, 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 you know, like this, with everybody playing the same note, you know, like everybody playing, like everybody in unison just hammering out the same dance, you know. So it was kind of, you know, it was, it was, I love the idea, you know, because it was like the, the end of the, 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 the Time's tight, you know. Like time's running out. I love. I, I, I had an idea of writing like a September song, you know, like this one artist, the standard. And I kind of like the idea that I could, but by by kind of good fortune, I could use the September girls lyric in there to even to reinforce that further. You know, that, that yeah. I could throw them throw the big star line in it. Love that line. September yeah. song, you know. Um. But it was quite straightforward. I mean, I was I was more concerned that the fact that it was so straightforward was kind of disappointing in a way. You know, I think now I've, just, I've kind of gotten over it. But while I was writing it, it just seemed like such a such a simple, simple, too simple a connection to make. Well, as you said, you know, rock and roll. If it's sometimes it's best when it's just a. Uh... It stays simple, but I, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it is. You know, I've, yeah. I've said in a, nearly nearly every interview I've done, but rock and roll seems like when it's it seems like it's a, a young person's game. You know, and it's wrapped up with the kind of folly and stupidity of youth that seems to work. You know, that you you take that kind of arrogance from from teenagers. You know, and and then as as like as people get older, it gets hard. It gets less convincing. You know, but. It doesn't mean it can't be done. It doesn't mean you can't put ideas down. But I, 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 I wanted to stay shy of pretending I was still like that. Yeah. On, on track five for On the Sunshine, you uh, 
you twist and turn some really well-worn phrases and aphorisms in the English language and you kind of use it. There's very, there's a lot of like abstractionism here, like with like different shapes and all. And I wonder what insights did you gain from that exercise? And, um, in, in, was that just something that you were like, well, we're going to come into this and, or is that just something that you do particularly on your own time? <laughs> No, it just seemed really easy. You know, I like the idea of the youth is wasted on the young, you know, like turning them around, you know, like that kind of, it didn't seem like, it seemed like, a, seemed like something I'd already done with, with um, um, I think I'm in love, you know, like, yeah. and I think I'm in love's got a kind of reference to, to um, a perfect miracle as well, you know, like, like, like the kind of put downs, but like I say, they're not put downs like somebody putting somebody down. They're kind of internal. I guess I just kind of, you know, a lot of the songs start with me kind of ad libbing to to the music. You know, I don't have words. I just kind of ad lib, and then kind of work out what I'm like. Almost like that sounds like that rather than, and then kind of work. I, I know it was really important with this record to get the words right. You know, I've, I've been listening to a lot of country records. I love, I love the kind of narrative in those records. I love the way that the choruses are quite often more of the narrative. They're not a hook line, although they work as choruses. They're not, they're not three words that are sung over and over. There's a kind of narrative that goes through the chorus also, and and so you know, once the once the song, the kind of general idea for the song has started, I kind of worked on getting it. it it's around that to be as succinct as the and also I kind of read years ago about Tom Dowd line where he was talking about how lazy people are for using the third verse uh, using the first verse again for the third verse and I do that all the time everybody does you know, and often because the first verse is the only good word <laughs> any good verse it kind of bears repeating you know yeah yeah but but I I didn't want to do that, you know. I didn't want to sing the third verse and let's dance or the same line over and over. So it just seemed like, you know, when I was putting me putting this that song together on the sunshine, you know, I'd sang a few of those kind of lines as best I could and then just thought, Well, I should look at doing that with every line, you know, and making making some kind of but with this kind of glory, you know, this yeah. kind of like you know, and again a really simple basic kind of saxophone and it's not it, you know it's not free it doesn't go somewhere crazy or anything it's just the kind of it reminded me of like those kind of like like Philadelphia music or something you know like mm-hmm. it's kind of like it's it, it's not beyond it's not pushing into some area of music you're not quite there with it's it's got this kind of optimism this kind of familiarity that goes alongside that the line "youth is wasted on the young and wisdom on the old." Which one would you rather have? <laughs> I th- you know what? I'm content. I'm not worried about either. Yeah, both have their time, don't they? It's not. A, yeah, it's not. A, and unfortunately, or unfortunately, it, it, you can't have it the other way. So, the other thing about that song is, I kind of like the idea of it was meant to sound like a kind of you know somebody with their foot to the pedal, you know, like 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 here we go, this song's going to take off. But it was always underpinned two songs. It was always meant to be like a slow jug band type thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's a kind of slow. The, the actual tempo of it is ridiculously slow, but then sort of somewhere in the middle of it, it just sort of, or somewhere through the middle of it, rather. Yeah. Somebody's got their foot to the floor, you know. So 
I kind of and it and it that they some bits of the record were really hard to put down, that being one of them, because those songs, when you don't play them live as a band, they don't hang together like a band hangs together. You know, it's like there's a lot of ideas there, but they don't hang in the way that you would if, they, if people had been in the same room at the same time. Yeah. Feel like I'm On, on track six for Damaged, the image of floating is obviously one that powers one of your most beloved albums, but uh, it comes up here too, And but it feels a little bit more earthbound. Uh, and, and I wanted to know, um, how is this song um, in conversation with your older work and what was the, you know, the floating imagery and just the feeling of that? What was the impetus for returning to that for this particular song? Well, part of, I, this that song wouldn't have made it if it just if it had been without the middle section mm. and without the line about the quell the cavalier child. As soon as I got that line, I knew that song was staying um, because it's a, it's it's been it's kind of been covered, you know. It's it's, yeah. a, it's a blues, you know. It didn't seem like it went anywhere other than where people know where that song should sit, you know. It's like people have heard that I've heard that a thousand times it didn't make any sense to have that anywhere near this record but then suddenly the middle eight kind of started to reference European film music you know like this in a, some, somewhere like somewhere completely alien to, to the blues it's like you know all that kind of you know lap steel guitar solo type thing and then the line like I said it's Quell the Cavalier Child, it just suddenly made real sense to me. That's, that, I don't write lines like that. They don't, they don't come that often. They don't come anywhere near often enough for me. So as soon as that went in, it just, it just then, then it was there. That, that had to be on the record. And it kind of works, you know. Obviously it works now, it's finished and it's there, but for a long time it wasn't anywhere near it. It does feel like one of the lonelier songs on the album, and was that kind of did that loneliness maybe stem from being in the studio or like for such a long time, like the recording process itself, uh, or is that just my way off on that one? <laughs> no, I mean it went down quick because it's not that difficult to do those kind of things. You know, it's not like it's, it's you know it's not it, it seemed like you know it worked. That that song and the last song, saying I'm through, it worked from the from the first chords that went down. You know, it was always going to work. Mm. Um, and it was lonely as hell making this record. It's not the kind of record I'd, I would, I won't make a record like that again. You know, it seems like the last the last uh, last thing I want to do is make a record on my own. But I but I also wanted to make. I, I don't know. I got got. I I thought I could ca- ca- carry it. You know. I thought I could, I thought I could cover it, and it just it didn't necessarily work, you know. And it was also the, it seemed like the opposite of the other music that I'm doing most of at the moment, which is improvised music, you know, like, like it's all about 
and they need it in people who are playing similar similar with a sim, similar intent, you know, not similar music, but similar, you know, we're just going to write as we go. And to, so to sit on my own making a record that where all the ideas were, were kind of things I was interested in just seemed like it was something that made sense to do at that time. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's very healthy. On seven the morning after, there's a familiar name, the Jane, <laughs> which I imagine is the same from him, Jane. Um, and what in, what un, unfinished business did you have with her? If uh, if that is exactly the same name, you know, if you are referencing the same uh, persona. Yeah, but there's three personas in there, so it's not a single. It's not like any single character. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. It just made made it just. I guess it just happened that way. I don't know. It just. Um, I don't know. Just there were the words. I don't know. There was no, not any real. I wasn't sitting there with any great thought. It did seem like AJ in part two in some respect, but in, but did you? Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just being lazy again. You know, <laughs> you know, maybe I found another another name to throw in there, but it just seemed to work best like that. Or subconscious. It's just deep in your subconscious uh, that. This is the the lyrics on this record, uh, you know, on this one, it's mostly written in the third person. And I'm like, what effect does that have on the subject matter that you can cover? Or does it do you do you typically like doing first person to third person or? No, it's always easier in the third. Yeah. Without doubt, you know, and it's just, you know, Um, and, and maybe for that, just. I don't really think about it, to be honest. I don't sit down and go, is it going to be an I or a you or a we or whatever? But, it, yeah, you can cover more and you're talking about talking outside of yourself. Even if it's deeply personal, you can cover more. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just On, on the eight, the prize. Um, it's kind of a waltz, and uh, you know. And earlier, you had mentioned uh, the kind of scaling back to the sounds from you know the forties, fifties, sixties, and not actually feeling there from that, that that time. Is is that also something that applies with this kind of waltzy sound? Like, what, what was it about that particular time signature that felt appropriate for this song? I don't know, another question like I don't really think about it. It just yeah. went down and that's kind of how it works, you know. It's like there's a there's a kind of and also because it was time, there's a there's a 
you know, the, 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 I, I always had this idea that the time signature was going to come from a tap that's dripped, and there's a tap that's dripping in the, mm-hmm. in the background consi- consistently all the way through. Um, but no, I don't, didn't think about it, to be honest. I, even, I don't even think I tried it any other way. It's not like I sort of tried to try four times, three times, what I love about this one is that there, there seems to be this kind it's of... It's funny, when I, the, when I count the banded, when we do Wolf's time, I still count to four. <laughs> we still come <laughs> in on the five. Interesting. So I don't really... <laughs> I just, yeah, I just go one, two, three, four, and then we start. And then go. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, it's, I, I'm sure it's led to some some amazing sort of irregularities that I mean I guess the fine ear would would maybe hear it but I, I I'm sure it's it's kind of the chaos and the creation in a way um I like that well like you kind of make this connection between mortality and the 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 dissolution of of a, a relationship and you know it's the the life and death of it all and you ultimately say like I, I don't know if love's the prize and I wonder like what else would it be you know what else would love be if not that to you Wow, I've got to get the answer now. I don't know. I yeah. think that's the, that's the thing in the song. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. I like the line, I don't know anything or any more or anything better than anyone. And I like the, you know, as soon as it, it seemed like the front end of that song was very simple. The, the language is really simple. And then the last three choruses just kind of, the language becomes slightly more extraordinary. You know, I love the line about the, um, you've got your dreams, but rest assured, you know, and the, the, the end to that line, and the, it seemed like the language just picked itself up a little bit. The ideas ahead of the, ahead of the instrument were very simple and very um, naive, and then suddenly it becomes really kind of focused. Mm-hmm. And I love the way it kind of comes in after a single note, you know, the violin, cello, just play one note. Yeah, and, and I kind of love that. That that that, until forever and even now, I wanted the strings to come ahead of that. I felt like the front end of the song was light. You know, it didn't have, it didn't work. But it, I couldn't, I couldn't lose that moment where the strings come in just to play a single note. You know, mm-hmm. it seemed like if I put the strings in any anywhere ahead of that, it lost that moment. Yeah. So, and 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 I was. Working on it. I mean, the, some the guitar went down the day before I mastered it. I still wasn't satisfied with the front end. But the end always works. You know, as soon as the wild guitar comes in, it just seems like yeah, that makes real. That that's done. It's done its job. You know. Yeah, yeah. But the front end was worked on right right up until the day before we mastered the record. Oh wow. On your final track, Sail on Through, you've said that this could be the final spiritualized album. And if that's the case, and this is the last song, what do you feel <laughs> like? How does it function as a closing statement? I know that's a big, big, you know, whopper of a, of a of meaning there. But, you know, and I know you had said earlier that it didn't matter with the sequencing for some of this stuff, but 
you know, if this is no, very but that one always that yeah, that one always seems to sit there, you know, and it always, I mean, but it writes itself, you know, it's a yeah. bumpy organ with a with a finger click that's but I mean, it's got a real finger click on as well, but it's one of those, you know, it, it's it's a chord organ, you know, and it just played that that was the sound of it. So right from the first moments of just putting that organ down, it made sense. It was always going to stay at, the, at this. You know, it just hangs in any slower and it barely travel, you know. It's mm-hmm. always, it always just hung there and it always seemed right. It always seemed to be perfect. And it didn't seem like everything that went into it didn't, it, 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 sure, it made it better, but it didn't, didn't change how, how right it had always felt, if that makes sense. No, totally. No, absolutely. What, what, what was the uh, significance of the Morse code at the end for you? Because I know that was also used to tease the record too. But was that? Well, it was. I, 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 I started to put sounds down like a kind of. I mean, part of it came from guitar loops and stuff like that, like the kind of stuttering sounds of of, of loop, loops and and you know the way you cut things up. So, but I also like the fact that it was the international distress signal. That people know Morse code. It's almost like when you hear it, you don't. It's not. It's never anything other than a message of distress. You know. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea of using it in that way. But also, it's the things that I've done with Morse code sounded like foreign language records. They sounded like those sounds or, or I think in Nacho Vegas at the time. But the kind of different languages that. They, but, but when I listen to those records, I'm never compelled to get a French English dictionary and find out what's going on. But I know there's some poetry there. I know there's something that's something but they never the fact that I don't understand the exact meaning never prevents me from listening to it, you know, like I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. It's like that's all wrapped up in the sound of it. And the, the, the little things I've done with Morse code felt like the same thing, that everything sounded like it was coming from from the, um, from distress, if you like mm-hmm. so again, but it felt like it wasn't so, so it just felt right to end the record in that way. Well, I think it does too. And I think it's a, if it is very well the last, then I think it's a very interesting and um, fitting, you know, bookend, so to speak. So, but I thank you so much for, for going through this album with me. And I've enjoyed this conversation immensely. I, thank you so much. And you thank know, you. good luck with this, the rest of this album for sure. Thanks so much for listening to Track by Track. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review this series, Consequence of Sound, on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Or, hey, share with a friend or on social media. It helps make sure that we can keep dishing out our music journalism in audio form. You can also follow Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network on Facebook. And be sure to check out our other music, movie, and television podcasts. Head to consequenceofsound.net to explore all of our series. Stay tuned to Consequence of Sound for album review podcasts three times a week. If you love these shows, don't keep it to yourself. Let the world know. Rate and review us on iTunes and Podchaser. And be sure to check out our other programming on the Consequence Podcast Network. Consequence of Sound.